0: And during this time, let let us turn our hearts to the Lord as we reflect on our New Testament lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11.
1: Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain, for I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim and so we have come to believe this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
0: During this time, let us turn our hearts to the Lord again as we receive our gospel lesson this morning, which comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1
2: through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. This is the big one.
0: This is the day the church anticipates all year long. This is the day that's bigger than Christmas. How can a day be bigger than Christmas? Well, this is it. This is the day that makes Christmas meaningful. This is the day that makes it all worth it. This is the day that brings us here together again and again, each year, for well over 2,000 years now. This is a huge day. Now, can anyone tell me why? This is the participa- participatory part of the sermon where, you know, we get a little feedback. Why is this such a big day? Nobody knows. I heard somebody whispered, Jesus. That's always a good Sunday school answer. Yeah, Jesus! Jesus is the reason this is such a big day. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, it wasn't the first time that somebody had risen from the dead. Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. A couple other people. Elijah, back in even the Old Testament, a couple hundred years before Jesus' time, had risen people from the dead. It wasn't new, necessarily. It's still pretty pretty spectacular. It doesn't happen often. So why is this one so important? Because this resurrection, this one, confirms the one thing that humanity has needed for far too long. That what it means to be human is no longer constituted by the rules of death. Jesus is alive, and because of that, we are offered eternal life and new life. Death has no victory. This day we celebrate that sin has no sting. All of this life is offered to us. This is the day that the season of Lent has been preparing us for. For 40 days, not counting Sundays, The past 40 days since Ash Wednesday, we have been going through this time of preparation. And you've probably heard me talk about this before. During this time, uh, during the time of Lent, that originated as a season in the life of the church of preparation for Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday in the church has always been the biggest day of the year. In fact, it was even bigger than we celebrate it uh, now. On Easter Sunday, that used to be the day in which anybody who wanted to join the church, become a member and part of the life and ministry of the church in the world, anybody who wanted to to be a part of that, they would join on Easter Sunday. They would be baptized on Easter Sunday. And there was these grand festivities. But the church knew something important. That to commit to what the ministry of the church was going to be, to, to, to actually live into the life of the church, to take this gospel message out into the world is not an easy task. Not easy at all. In fact, it takes us out of our comfort zone. It calls us to do some things that might not be so easy, so comfortable. And the church recognized this pretty early on and said, you know what? If anybody wants to be a part of this, they need to go through a time of preparation. And so, the institution of Lent was founded on the same preparation time that Jesus took before he entered into his ministry, a time of 40 days of fasting, a time of anticipation, a time of preparation for the big one, for this great day that was supposed to spur the church on in new life, with new vigor, out into the world to do incredible things in the name of Christ this is the big one. This is the day that we have been waiting for, for far too long. Far too long, because last year, Easter did not look pretty. It was all on a screen. I don't know, maybe you found somewhere to go during that time. For us, it was all on a screen. It was pretty weird. My wife and I were reflecting over that uh, this morning, that last Easter, we just woke up pressed play on the pre-recorded video and let everybody else watch it. This Sunday, this Easter Sunday is a bit different. It's a big day. At least it's supposed to be. But yet still, this day, this particular Easter, feels a little bit different to me. Maybe it does to you as well. We entered into a building under construction, caution tape everywhere, exposed brick, which doesn't look too bad, but it's kind of weird. There seems uh, to be this pandemic still raging on outside, notable by the masks that we are all wearing. Well, not me, but you all. And there seems to be more problems in the world today than there were yesterday anytime we turn on the news there's something else for somebody to complain about in fact this easter sunday almost feels a bit like a letdown it's not as big as i remember at least growing up used to feel so much more grand but instead i don't know it feels like it's not the biggest least not the biggest day of the year but I'll tell you what this is not the first Easter to feel like this in fact Mark's gospel the gospel reading which we had today has kind of a dud ending now those of you who have ever been in bible study with me before or have listened to me talk about the gospel of Mark you know it's my second least favorite gospel This is one of the reasons, because the ending is just like, that's it? Now, I'm sure that you might look in your own Bibles and find that Mark has a lot more to say after the passage that we had read for us this morning. But most scholars agree that this passage, the passage that we read, chapter 16 up to verse 8, that verse 8 is the original ending to the gospel of Mark and that everything that's after it, verses 9 onward, uh, was added a while later. Mark ended with the words. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. That's it. It's kind of a dud ending. That's it. They were terrified. They said nothing to anyone. Of course, each gospel has its own telling of the resurrection. Matthew, Luke, John, they all have something a little bit different to say. Different characters showing up at different times and different, maybe sometimes there's one angel, sometimes there's two angels, sometimes Jesus is actually standing there. But Mark's is definitely the weakest or perhaps the most disappointing resurrection account. Or at least, it would be. But we know something else. We know that despite this ending, the good news gets shared across the globe. And we are here today because of that. Mark, in his dud of an ending, gives us one critical piece of information that is the hope of the gospel and the joy of humanity. It's found in verse 7. Did you catch the words when they were first read to us? He is going ahead of you. He is going ahead of you. In other words, the story is far from over. Even though Mark ends right there at verse 8 with those who went to the tomb being terrified and not saying anything to anybody, we still know that there's more to come that Jesus has gone ahead of them back to Galilee and will be waiting for them whenever they arrive there. The story is far from over. He is going ahead of you. That tells us something huge, that the resurrection was not meant to be the end of the story. In fact, it's not even really meant to be the climax of the story. Yes, it is a huge part of the story but it's more of like that hook at the first chapter of a book that draws you in and says wait something's going on here that's different than ever before it makes you want to carry on with it that's the resurrection account the climax happens far later with the return and then we have this part in the middle the body of the book in which we are reminded that we still have quite a ways to go, quite a ways to take this good news. What this tells us, in these words, he's going ahead of you, is that there is something more waiting. Maybe that's too obvious to say, but it needs to keep being stead. The resurrection is not the end. The empty tomb is not the end. New life is not the end. In fact, this new life calls us to be pushed onward and forward with this gospel message into something more incredible, to do something with this new life, to do something with this resurrection, to do something with this good news, but we're not called to do it alone. He is going ahead of you. Those are the words that they receive. Back to Galilee, back to spend time with them. And he does spend time with them. They have quite a bit of time more with Jesus, where Jesus continues teaching them. Why? Because the resurrection wasn't the end. He keeps teaching them. And there are many more miracles that are performed in their midst. And it's not until they are ready to take the gospel message themselves that Jesus then ascends. He's going ahead of you because there's still more work to be done. It's not over. Even though the disciples kind of act like it is in every other account of uh, Scripture uh, of the resurrection, the disciples, they just go home. They go back to their ordinary lives. Jesus goes back to Galilee. Why Galilee? Why not Jerusalem where he was just resurrected? Why does he go back to Galilee? Because that's where all the disciples are from. They went back to their old lives. Where does Jesus find them when he gets there? Fishing. They're back fishing again, doing their old jobs, picking up where they left off, doing what they knew how to do. And Jesus calls them, And continues to teach them. And then comes the Great Commission. Go therefore into all the world. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And teaching them all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. The Great Commission didn't come before the resurrection. Because the resurrection wasn't meant to be the ending. It's only the beginning. Next, the church is born. Next, it begins to thrive. And the gospel message gets spread across the globe. There is hope. The very words which the angel spoke, he is going ahead of you, gives us hope that there is more and that we're not going out into the world alone. Though we entered into a building under construction today, there remains hope of its completion. Hopefully by September, please God, by September, Though outside there is a pandemic raging on, there is hope in this vaccine and the steady easing of restrictions. Though there seems to be more problems in the world today than there were yesterday, there is hope in the saving grace of Christ in which the love of God will once more call all people together in harmony. And though the tomb was empty, And the people who arrived there ran away terrified. There is hope, because Jesus has gone ahead of us. So what do we do with the challenge to proclaim the gospel? So the first people who witnessed what had happened, at least according to Mark, were terrified to tell anyone about it. Even though the angel gave them specific instructions... Verse 6, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They are given specific instructions, but they were paralyzed with fear. Consider for a moment the impact that their message would have to people. Can you imagine going up to somebody whose best friend and mentor was gone and saying, he's alive. People might think you're crazy. That's not a sane thing to say. In fact, it's a little indelicate. People might say, okay, hey, it's not April Fool's anymore, that was three days ago, like, can we move on from it all? It's not an easy message to take. The gospel message is not an easy message to take. And so they were paralyzed. It's a huge proclamation, and we have to consider the weight of it, the gravity of these words. So I want us to consider also, what will we do with the same challenge to proclaim the gospel. For we are also given that same instruction to go tell people what you have witnessed. Well, here's my challenge to you this morning. With the knowledge of the resurrection of Christ and the knowledge that he is going ahead of you, my challenge to each and every one of us is this. Go after him. Go where he is going. Don't dawdle. Don't sit around waiting for somebody else to do the work for you. Go after him. Go and tell the people what has happened. Don't keep this message a secret. Take this good news to the world. And don't be afraid because he's going ahead of you. He's already laying the groundwork for this message to permeate the earth. The message is only awaiting a vessel that will carry it. So go after him, the one who has gone ahead of you, the one who has resurrected and laid the groundwork for our resurrection as well. Take this good news to the world, this heavy message. Don't be like the first who were too terrified of the impact of this message. Rather, be emboldened in faith and courage to take this gospel message to the world. And may this Easter Sunday, this one that looks quite different than others we have had, be a reminder to you that there is hope because he has gone ahead of you. Let us pray.